Hi, I'm Chanel, agency owner, marketing coach, speaker, and your official human sunshine. I've been in marketing since 2009 and have run a successful strategy and content marketing agency since 2018. Jaded by my corporate life, I quit my job to travel the world and start my own business. I've learned so much in my business journey and I want to share it with you. The Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business offers marketing advice for industry professionals and inspiring stories for women netting life and business. If you love the podcast, please subscribe and share with someone who would enjoy it too. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy your daily dose of sunshine. Hello, hello, and welcome everybody to the Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business. Today I'm talking to the lovely Lisa. Lisa is the owner of The Goddess Code. She is an emotional mastery and accountability coach who helps women sort through their emotional baggage and rewire negative thought patterns. She's a master NLP, a hypnotherapist, and a timeline therapist, but most importantly, she's a bloody nice person. And I'm very lucky to spend the next 20 minutes with her. Welcome, Lisa. How are you? Oh, wow. What an introduction. I feel like I don't need to say anything. (laughs) There is so much that I am wanting to ask you. So there is lots that you are going to be able to say. But let's start off with, tell me about you, what you do, why you do it, who you do it for. Yeah. Well, as you said, um, I'm a Master NLP uh, coach. I work with women um through various techniques such as timeline therapy and hypnotherapy um and a lot of different other little tricks and and techniques i've got up my sleeve um and i work with women basically to work through stuff like emotional baggage mindset shifts all those little like i can't do this or i couldn't do that or i'm still holding on to this for 20 from you know 10 years ago all of that kind of stuff that really does you know stop us in our tracks and keep us like negatively tied to the past and that can look like anything and i know we've all got emotional you know baggage that we carry around some of us carry it in little you know teeny tiny purses some of us need a whole like airport trolley to pack all of our suitcases onto so yeah it looks different for everyone and that's basically what i do so it's a mixed bag you never know what you're gonna get if you see me typing, it's only because I'm making notes of, of questions to ask you. Oh, I so all of this is so fascinating to me because if you met me and you have met me, you probably wouldn't think that I've got like a negative bone in my body. Like mm-hmm. I'm always positive. I'm always chipper. I'm always happy. Um, but I suffer from anxiety, high functioning anxiety, which is different to like social anxiety. And I think I actually do have quite a negative mindset. Um yeah. And I'd, I'm wanting to know how you how you can figure out with your clients if whether they do or don't have a negative mindset because I don't believe in toxic positivity and I know that that's not what you teach but no, I find no. it um, I don't find it helpful at all when you know I'm struggling with something and people give me stock standard words of wisdom um yes you know it, it, it would be all right yeah like it just it just pisses me off like for me i'd rather just sit in the sticky icky and feel what i need to feel and move through it than try and like mask it with positivity that actually like is not reflective of reality like i'm sort of like just let me be negative but then where do you draw the line between owning your feelings and honoring how you feel and then actually getting stuck in that negative mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. So, oh, there's so much I could say here. I mean, you know, go for it. Um, so basically, it's important to notice and accept that everyone. I don't care how bloody positive you are. I don't care how amazing your childhood was or crap your childhood was. We all, I like to say, are born with the same coloring in stationary set. And that is a whole range of emotions from joy and happiness to anger and fear and guilt and sadness, et cetera, et cetera. And as we grow up, depending on what we're exposed to and and what our predisposition is obviously as well, um, we will learn to use certain colors. So, you know, some of us will use the red and that could be, you know, our anger more. And some of us will use the blue sadness and some of us never use the black or the gray, but we we are exposed to all of them 
and it, that's okay. So where the whole toxic positivity comes into it is that, yay, let's do the pursuit for happiness. And, you know, like you can, you can always be positive and that's just, excuse my French, bullshit. Like yeah. there are days where we are just down in the dumps and I myself, I like to think of myself as quite a positive person, but I'm not a robot. So there are days where I look in the mirror and I think, oh, ugh, gross. There are days where I just go, you know what, I just can't be bothered talking to people today or my fiancé pisses me off or, you know, like we're going to have or I yell at my kids. Like we are not designed to be like, oh, yes, we're like, you know, happy on a rainbow all the time. That is not real life. The purpose of, you know, working through and, and reconnecting with yourself and knowing yourself is knowing that where there are peaks and valleys, previous to coaching you might have a peak and then sit down in a valley for like a month or you know some people get stuck there for years they pitch a tent and they live there but it's about knowing that there are the peaks and valleys and when you're in a valley there's certain things that you can learn and know about yourself and reflect and techniques you can use so that you stay there for a day or two days and then come out of it mm. Mm. yeah absolutely i love I love that you embrace that. There's a book called The Happiness Trap that I read years ago, um, and it speaks about exactly that. It's like, you know, humans are not built to be happy all the time, and it's physically impossible to be positive all the time. And I really like the fact that I've got those different shades in my life where I am a bit negative and then positive. You know, that's that's the ebbs and flows of life. And I think if you try and fight against it, um, then it's almost more exhausting. Like for me to try and pretend to be positive when I'm just not feeling that way is far more exhausting than just saying, this is how it's going to feel. And my partner was the one who helped me with that. I would get so frustrated if I was anything but happy. Um, and I would sort of try and unpack all the reasons why I was feeling that way. And he said, sometimes you just feel sad or sometimes you just feel the way you feel, but you're not going to feel like that forever. So just and that's the thing too. The people that are um, generally, you know, when they come in, I, I have some clients that come into my doors and they are just burnt out from the whole, like, I need to, I need to fill my cup. I need to do this. And, and I preach all that. And that is incredibly important. Filling your cup, self-love, looking after yourself, me time. That is all relevant. And I love it. And I preach it. However, you still need to be realistic about what that means to you and what the responsibilities are that you have in life. And also sometimes me time is just, you know what? I just don't feel right today. I just want to lie in bed and cry for half an hour. And, you know, that's going to be my me time. And then I'm going to feel feel better about that. But also to watch what I like to call sneaky little liar beliefs that get into our head about what we feel we should be, what we shouldn't be, and measuring up like, oh, this has happened to me, but it's also happened to my friend. Why can't I handle it better than she can? Or like, we are all very different. And we have to appreciate the organic nature of how we process information. And I could go down a whole rabbit hole on, you know, how we neurolinguistically process information. But um, something I want to share with you is, is so it's just really mind blowing the first time I heard this. Um, I believe it's an old and don't quote me on this. It's an old Japanese type concept of having three masks. So there's the mask that we show to everybody. So, you know, on my podcast, you know, I could have been crying five minutes ago, but here I am on the podcast and I'm going, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I wasn't crying five minutes ago, it's okay. But there's that mask that we show everybody. Then there's the mask that we only show to, you know, our possibly our partner, our close friends and family, our social circle that we're comfortable sharing with. And then they say that there's the mask that we only show ourselves. So there's those three. And it That's doesn't the scariest matter. one. The one you show yourself is probably the, the darkest and scariest. Yeah, and that's the one that people like to pretend, you know, if we're, we're talking about, you know, toxic positivity, that's the type of mask that people go, oh, no, I don't have one of those. It's all fine. No, 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 no that doesn't exist. It still exists. The whole point in congruency of life is to try and get those three masks to coincide so that you are you know, just as authentic as you possibly be. But even then, you're, there's still going to be parts of you that you don't want to share with anybody else. And that's totally fine. You can do that. You're allowed to do that. Mm. And you mentioned um, the whole, like, the, the curse of should. Like, I yeah. should be doing this or I should be doing that. Um, and that's something that I, I actively had to stop myself from doing because I should go for a walk, I should go for a run, I should do this, I should do that. And it was just absolutely exhausting. So I've had to, to really challenge myself to let go of that 
I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And I love that you also mentioned that that the comparison of looking at what someone else is going through and how everyone processes things differently. I always say that there's how I feel and there's how I want to feel. So sometimes, um, you know, I'll, I'll have a reaction to something and like something happened the other day and I felt genuinely angry and it's been a long time that I actually felt angry. And I just said to my partner, I just said, you know, there's how I feel and there's how I want to feel. I want to feel like this doesn't bother me. I want to feel, but I feel this way and it'll pass. And so like that's sort of been my mantra to go, you know, don't fight it. Just, I, I would love to feel a different way about this particular thing, but I don't. So there's how I feel and there's how I want to feel. Um, and I wish that sometimes I, you know, I look at how some people deal with things and I go, God, I wish it was water over duck's back for me, but it's not. And being okay with that because like you said, everybody, you know, feels and processes things differently. You did mention about the whole like linguistic processing side of things. So it is, I mean, and this is probably a complicated question because everyone is so unique and everybody's brain is built so differently, but how would you go about figuring out how my brain works? Like, you know, whether I am a negative person or a positive person or a, like, how do you, um, how do you get inside my head? <laughs> well, well, how much time you got? Okay, so firstly, I want to I want to pick up your language there because simply talking to someone, because I you know I'm trained the way that I am, I can pick up little shoulda coulda wouldas, little sneaky beliefs, little stuff that comes out in the language that we speak. So when you say, you know, how do you know if I'm a negative you know person, or how do I know if I'm a bitchy person, or how do I know if I'm this? Um, the answer to that is we all are, and I know that's a very general blanket thing, but what we resist will persist. So sometimes when we're like, we just don't want to be negative, we don't want to be bitchy, and I can use myself as an example, I was very triggered by bitchy people. Mm. And I'm like, why, why can't everyone just love each other and get along? And like, why, why do you have to be judgmental? Until I caught myself having a good old gossip with a friend, a close friend, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm being really bitchy. And I had to look at my behavior and go, well, hang on, what, what, what am I doing right now? Why am I being bitchy? Okay, well, we're having this connection. We haven't seen each other for a while. We're having a good gossip session. It's not going any further than this. It was serving a purpose for that moment. And while it's not in my nature just to come out and be like, oh, look what she's wearing. Oh, she looks terrible. We were having a bit of a bitch session. And the minute I accepted like, okay, I also have this color and I also, you know, kind of color in with this color, it stopped triggering me so much when I was seeing it because I was able to kind of go, all right, what's going on with that person? Because I know sometimes I've gotten a bit bitchy when I felt insecure. So it's not about the behaviour. People are more than their behaviours. It's about going, mm. who's behind that behaviour? What am I feeling? What, what triggers me to have that bitchy moment, to have that angry moment? Is it a trigger that I'm, you know, in a pattern of repeating and if so then what's behind that and that's a whole kind of you know digging deep into having these conversations a big Absolutely. question you can ask yourself and how i kind of pull this information out of you i mean there's many ways but a very powerful question is what story are you telling yourself so when you are being this negative person or when you are being this particular side of yourself what story are you telling yourself is it that i'm not good enough is it that, oh, I should be more like that? Are you putting a lot of pressure on? And then we define that and go, okay, where did that come from? And we keep digging and digging and, you know, metaphorically weeding the garden until we get to that, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe I don't feel good about myself or maybe whatever it might be. I love that. And even just as you were saying that I was trying to answer that question for myself. And I think for me, especially lately, because this year has been really, really tough for business, I always feel good enough. That's like the most common thing that people struggle with is they don't feel good enough. I feel good enough. I think I'm fucking great at what I do. I think I've got lots of talents. I've got lots of skills. I'm not perfect. So I'm not being arrogant for any means. But I know that I think a story I tell myself is, I work so fucking hard um, and then like I almost want people to like, how do I put this? Like I work so hard and then I like resent it and I just want people to um, like appreciate it. Yeah. And then I think I get a bit like, um, like I put all this pressure on myself and I do all these things for other people all the time without being asked and then I almost like resent when, I don't feel like that same level of effort is like reciprocated. And then I get very negative and just think like, 
oh my god, I work all this time. I'm working all the time, and da 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 da. Like, I think maybe I don't think I want something in return from people, but I think mm-hmm. I actually probably do. Yeah. Because when I don't get it, I actually get quite upset. And like, I think when you give, you give because you want to give. And I'm a very giving person. But I think the story I'm telling myself is that I don't want anything in return. But I think I do. And it's not like, oh, I'm only going to give if I can get something from you. But it's more like, I think just, I, I think I want to feel um, needed. And I want the gratitude. And I want the thanks. And I want the appreciate. I want the warm and fuzzies like back. The recognition. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I want to give, but I want people to, to be like, thank you so much. Yes, yes. So this is the thing. We are humans are designed for connection. Mm. We're not designed to be lone wolf. So even though, and, you know, I'm much the same, like I give, 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 because that's that's what I do. That's what I am. And I give freely. However, there is still a part of me, and this is the thing, we are not all, it's not all black and white, you know, there are 50 shades of grey, if you like, you know, if you like. Mm-hmm. There are all different, like, and this is the thing, we could be in that mindset in one area of life. So you could be, like, on top of your game in career and be like, yep, cool, no problem, I don't need anyone's help, I don't need this. But then in a relationship you might be a bit different or in the family life or in some sort of different dynamic, you can have different um, mindsets and different levels of different things of, um, you know, for example, acceptance or recognition. And I think when we get into um a habit of you know and and a pattern of like well i am a hard worker i'm this we start to identify with that and when it's not recognized it just becomes part of us and it's like well hang on no no one's really taking into account that it actually takes effort to do this like yeah i I am tired and i do work late and you know i would you know sometimes rather be you know in the park or at a spa or but i know i'm here and i'm in the office and how come anyone doesn't see that and the thing is it's a double-edged sword because you technically don't need anybody to see that, but we are habit. We are creatures of habit where we want that recognition. So while you might not need someone to pump up your tires, it is nice to be seen and it is nice to be recognised. So acceptance is a big thing. Totally. Yeah, it is, and I think um, you know, like just every now and then. I had a friend the other day. I was I was unwell, and she said, "Oh, can I can I drop off a juice for you?" And she dropped off like a juice and a flower. And I was just like, "Fucking hell! Like that's that's so nice." And it made my day because that's the sort of thing that I would always do for other people. But I also maybe am not very good at like receiving because I'm the one always giving. So it's yeah, I don't know what that all means, but yeah. yeah so yeah. well, I mean, like I don't want to put anything, and I always say to people when I'm working with them, please reject if it doesn't apply because subconsciously i don't know we're on a podcast so we're talking about it but i never drop in things to accidentally implant in people because you know when you're talking to a friend and you're just kind of working something out and they say something you go yeah that's what it is and then you get it stuck in your head and that's that then becomes the story that you're telling yourself yeah yeah and it's i mean it's we've got you've got and there's so many layers to it obviously and something that you started off saying which um it's a bit of a bugbear for me, um, and I was mentioned this to you before we started recording that there's like some things that like. So, I, you started off saying that you know everyone has a past and everybody has baggage, but there comes a point where you have to find where you're at, unpack your shit, and move on. Mm. Um, and I've had this conversation with a few people. I feel like childhood trauma and trauma has become a very trending um, label that people put on their past but the problem that i found is i think it's holding people back from moving forward because they're so focused on their past trauma so like and every again everyone's different so someone who has gone through something in the past may have uh, um maybe more resilience and be able to move forward from that and some people can't but like what's your take on like have you noticed that there's definitely a and obviously i'm i'm not disrespecting or discounting trauma or childhood trauma or past trauma by any means of course it's very very important to like address but is there a line between going I've got this trauma and it's it's now a part of me and I'm going to try and move forward versus letting it be that big black shadow that's actually holding you back yeah and this is the thing like um, and I'm glad you brought this up actually trauma is different for everyone so I see generally the clients that come to me have reached that point where they're like you know what enough is enough I'm I'm sick of this it's you know having a negative effect in some way shape or form 
I also get clients that say, you know what, I'm, I'm really happy with my life, but hey, I just want to change my job and I'm a bit nervous about that and maybe I don't think I'm good enough to do that. But other than that, their life is, you know, quote unquote perfect. So there are all different things that trigger us and different things that people need to work with. And I think the point comes, and that's really different for everyone, where to recognise that trauma is subjective as well. So I have mm-hmm. you know, people that have been abused as children. I've, you know, had women that are, are raped, or people that are just going through a divorce. And and sometimes the person who seems to have the quote unquote easy trauma or little trauma is struggling more than the person who has had like, mm-hmm. you know, the jaw dropping like, oh my God, I can't even believe that happened to you trauma. So it really is part of the individual just to go you know what I am choosing not to put up with this anymore I'm choosing not to have this tie me down and especially in the big traumas like the you know the what universally people would go oh gosh that's terrible almost criminal trauma um it's not about saying it it's okay and that's what I think trips people up the most like well if that happened to me and I deal with it I'm saying that that's okay that that happened to me and it's not about that at all it's about you know what something terrible happened in my childhood to me or to someone else around me and by me acknowledging it and trying to move on I'm in no way saying oh yeah that's fine just that behavior is totally fine but it's about saying I am choosing not to allow that other person or that situation to ruin the rest of my life and have that power over me. So it's not saying it's okay, like who cares? It's not about that. And I think that's what trips people up about childhood trauma and living in that. And you either have to live in it forever and, you know, let it beat you down or say, oh, no, who cares? Like let's just get over it. And it's neither one of those. It's about saying I'm choosing not to let you have that effect on me anymore and taking back that power almost and that looks that for everyone yeah and that would just take you know that obviously takes time and takes a lot of work and I think there's something to be said about even having trauma guilt because I know that like you know sometimes I'll be feeling I'll just be I'm a very privileged person I have not come from poverty or anything horrific I haven't had any you know I won't go down to things that have happened to me in my life but um you'll, you'll almost sort of go my trauma is not as bad as somebody else's because you feel guilty that you think how could I how could I be so upset about this when there's far worse things that have happened to other people so like letting go of that that guilt and just saying you know in my world in my bubble in my moment this is what's affecting me and and honoring that and not discounting it and I love what you said about carrying the weight and how liberating forgiveness can be and again obviously being very respectful to to people who've dealt with traumas and aren't there or don't feel like they can ever forgive or, or unload that trauma. Um, but I'll give you an example that was relevant to me. Um, I had I was in an abusive relationship for um, for many years. I was very, very young. Um, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast. But um, after I broke up with him, um, the day before I moved overseas for the new chapter of my life, um, I phoned him. He was very, very surprised to hear me because I actually had a restraining order on him and um, went to his house and forgave him because I was like, I'm moving on to this new chapter of my life and I don't want to hold on to the the feeling of of that. And it was great. It was so nice to just to just let that go. Um, but thank God that happened when I was that young because I was able to bounce back a lot quicker than I probably would have been able to do now. Yeah, true. And that's the thing too, like we can develop these patterns that keep us trapped in our trauma and it's about looking at that. But the thing about forgiveness is this, there's a misconception about forgiveness being for the other person. So if, you know, you do something terrible to me and Mm. I forgive you, it's like, oh, that's okay, you know, I'm letting you off the hook. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It's actually the reverse that people don't realise because if you're holding on to anger, resentment, whatever it might be, I liken it to drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. Like, they're fine. They're living their life. They've, they've probably moved on. They're, you know, doing whatever they're doing. You're the one that's carrying it. And stress in the body, you know, and thinking about mind-body connection and all that kind of, you know, that's another podcast in itself. But yes, you know, onto that stress and holding onto those emotions and blocking that can cause significant effects physiologically um on on the body as well so it's it's 
I, I'm congratulate you and applaud you for doing that. And I just want to acknowledge that, you know, while he probably felt really good afterwards, it wasn't about him at all. Like mm. you and you letting yourself off the hook to then go and not carry that stuff with you, freeing yourself up. Yeah, yeah, and and that's exactly how I felt. I mean, um, we all know Nelson Mandela. I hope everyone who's listening to this knows Nelson Mandela. I was yeah. out not so long ago, and someone had no idea who he was, and I was absolutely oh, wow. mad. But I mean, yeah, to to get treated but to, as awfully as he did in during the apartheid, um, and then to forgive the people who had done that to him, and then go mm -hmm. on to be president, is just shows the power that forgiveness can have and all the things that can be achieved once you sort of relinquish that um that burden it takes a a, a big person to to do that um absolutely then, so, sorry yeah no no go ahead go ahead i was just going to say one one point that you said before about you know the the guilt that you feel over your trauma not trauma not being you know as serious as somebody else's that that can that's a double-edged sword too because it's actually a good thing to be aware and say you know what what am i stressing over today oh i'm stressing over the fact that oh you know this this happened or i lost that client or you know i didn't get that contract like okay well oh i never get that and then the story you start telling yourself like oh maybe i'm not good enough etc cetera, etc cetera. so sometimes putting it into perspective and going oh you know what look at joe blogs over there who you know someone has just passed away in their family okay so that can kind of help put it in perspective as well because we do like to um live in our story and you know sometimes catastrophize it that can help but it's also acknowledging that everybody everyone has trauma and trauma not in the grand sense of the word but trauma is trauma it's a it's a not nice thing that happens that then affects what's going on in your life or you know rents space in your head so to speak so it's about saying you know I'm allowed to have that little trauma. I'm allowed to have that little hiccup. I'm allowed to have that hissy fit and play my violin sometimes. I'm allowed to think that life is not fair. Um, you know, yes, this does always happen to me. Okay, why is that happening to me? And, and if you're prepared then to do something about it, you can change and rewrite the story or, you know, change the record that's stuck on the record player, so to speak. But it doesn't mean that your story or your life is any more or less important than somebody else just because they're going through the wars of it. You can appreciate that, but it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel bad because your next mm. one is worse. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's really important. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think that's an important message to tell, um, so that people get get that perspective, but then also feel like they can honour how they're feeling. Yeah, because if you ever heard like, um, if you ever spoken to people that say, "Oh, well, yeah, you had that really bad experience, but you're lucky," because my experience was so much worse. It's just like, well, mm -hmm. there's no basis to really say that. And yes, you can say that, you know, some situations are worse than others, but we all have different levels of resilience. One thing that I, um, there's this beautiful kind of analogy, um, that might help put it in perspective. It's like cooking a frog. Right? It's a very weird analogy, right? Um, so if you have a frog and they are exposed to hot water, right? So if you imagine if you, you warm up some hot water and you put the frog in the pot and it feels a little bit like, oh, the frog's a bit like, I don't really like this, I'm going to try and get out. But then what happens? It's like getting into a hot bath, you get used to the water. And then you might turn up the heat a little bit more. And then, oh, oh that's a bit, oh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, and then you just get used to it turn up the heat a bit more, turn up the heat a bit more, the same thing happens. Before long, the frog is cooked. But they've been used to that trauma. And that's the danger when you can get caught in the trauma trap. You're just like, oh, well, this is how it's always been. Maybe I deserve it. I don't even notice that it's happening around me. And then if you put someone who has never experienced trauma before and you pop them straight into a pot of boiling hot water, they're going to jump out. So mm. their reactions are different. So that's why, like, sometimes people who have gone through immense trauma have this incredible and sometimes not so nice resilience to trauma where stuff can just keep happening and they're just like, oh, yeah, well, that, I guess that's my lot in life, isn't it? Whereas someone mm. else who any trauma at all can, you know, stub their toe or, you know, not stub their toe, but you get what I mean, do something like small and be like, oh, my God, the world is ending. But it's all very real, like subjective. Of course, yeah. And I feel like that's that analogy um, 
which my mom would hate by the way she's terrified of frogs but is also quite similar to be said for stress in a lot of ways i was having a chat to somebody the other day and was saying that i'm probably addicted to stress and i think that that comes from my mom who was the same go 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 probably remedying anxiety so realizing that well maybe not realizing that we were experiencing anxiety and aiding our anxiety by keeping busy because if you are keeping busy all the time you don't have to be left with you and your thoughts and your feelings so busy 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 high cortisol levels going up 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 and then you become addicted to your cortisol levels so i know straight away when i'm not busy i stop and then i burn out like i i, I, I if i stop it's it's like i just completely shut down so yeah. trying to um because i think i have built up that resilience and that um ability to just handle and handle and handle and handle and handle and never really fall down or only fall down every now and then and i've mentioned this on the podcast like loads of times and for people who listen to this podcast regularly um it's something i love asking pretty much most of my guests because i think resilience is an important topic in no matter what industry or yeah, profession like you're in do you believe that resilience is something you're born with or something that you can teach Oh, you can definitely teach it. You can definitely teach it because this is the thing, like someone who was born into and, you know, seeing as we're on the topic of trauma, trauma, and it becomes somewhat normal. Do they, you know, have a high level of resilience versus someone who wasn't? Like it, it's all subjective mm -hmm. again, because we have resilience to different things. And the thing is, if you get addicted to stress or addicted to drama, so some people will cause drama in their relationships because, you know, they've grown up with, you know, parents that maybe fight all the time. So if they're in a relationship mm. quite calm, they're like, well, hang on, this relationship isn't right. Let me just start an argument to to get some drama in here because, you know, like it needs to be like the movies where we love each other and we hate each other. And um, so is that resilience or is that a learned pattern of behaviour? And I think there's a difference as well between resilience and being okay with something happening than being in denial. And that's a big thing too. So sometimes people are stuck in situations where they think they're being quite resilient. I can deal with this, I can deal with this, but they're just, they're damaging, well, not damaging themselves, but they are in a situation that's hurting them. And it's about mm. up to that and going, you know what, I actually don't deserve this. And this is not just in relationships, this is, you know, it could be anything. Like I'm in this job that my boss yells at me. You know what? That's not resilience. I actually don't deserve that. I shouldn't be. I don't want to be resilient to that. I don't want mm -hmm. to do that. So there is a difference, but I know I kind of sidetracked there. But I think to some level you are born in environments that teach resilience, but you can most definitely be taught if you don't, you know, have any resilience to anything. I think it's just a human, um, I think we all have a little bit of it, obviously. It's a human um, need. You know, we all have that fight or flight. We all have that um, inborn fight or flight or freeze reflex that does teach a certain level of resilience. And it's how you nurture that as well. Mm. And the environment, you know, it's nature versus nurture, I guess. And I, um, Lisa posted a video the other day where she was talking about confidence and saying that, you know, confidence is something that you can learn. I, I think growing up in the home that I did. I mean, my mom was a dance teacher. She was a performer. She, we grew up in a very social environment. She always had friends around. Um, you know, they were always having these like house parties. And so I was so used to being around other kids and other parents. And um, I think that that must have um, made me a lot, made me quite confident being in that environment. Although my sister, she was a bit, she was actually quite shy and didn't thrive in that environment. So it's also interesting how, you might grow up in the same environment yet you don't actually end up with the same level of resilience or um confidence or whatever it might be because again obviously we're all different so we can't yeah. paint everybody with the same with the same absolutely. brush absolutely the same environment can turn to you know twins there's a there's actually a famous study i don't know who did it but there were two twins yes i've seen that and they made a, a movie out of it oh did they Mm, with Tony Ooh. Collette, it's very good. Oh, about it, was it with the alcoholic father? No? Are you talking about the same one? Possibly. So this one's about, um, there is a study where two um, identical twins grew up, you know, in an environment that was not not so lovely, um, abuse and, and alcoholic father, and, and one of the twins ended up being exactly like her dad. 
And the other one ended up being, I don't know, a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, someone that didn't, wasn't averse to any of that, you know, totally rejected all of that stuff. And when they studied and asked them, they said, you know, to the alcoholic twin, um, how did you learn to do this? And he said, well, I learned because I watched my father. And then they asked mm. him, how did you learn to be what you are? And he said, because I watched my father. So one of them was like, I watched my father, I got conditioned by that. And the other one was, I watched my father and I realised everything I didn't want to be. And then I, I became everything that was opposite to that. Yeah, yeah. The same parenting, the same environment. It was just a, a choice. It became maybe a subconscious choice. But there was an, a, a moment where it was like, well, this is the way life is or this is the way life is. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm changing. I'm rewriting my story. And that's very mm. powerful. Absolutely. You know, we like to think that everything is predestined and we don't have much choice, but we do have a choice, even in the most adverse situations of how we're going to allow something to affect us. Because things, you know, people are going to happen to us, situations and bad things are going to happen. And that is part of life. It is, we can't change that. But it's how we allow that to either sink or make us swim that is the difference. And so, yeah, most definitely with the confidence video, like I'm an introvert. I get shy in front of, you know, big crowds of people, but you wouldn't know that at all. Mm. Um, I, you know, I was actually surprised when I did one of those Myers-Briggs tests and I was like, I'm an introvert, really? And then I looked at all my other behavioural traits and I was like, yeah, you know what, this all makes sense. I don't like being in front of big crowds of people. And here I am in two weeks speaking at Freedom Fest in front of like 200 people. About You're going to be... You will be fabulous. I am. Um, I've heard so many good things about the Mamahood Marway retreat that you went to. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah. Um. So you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna rock it. You're gonna be great. And uh, that actually, I've just finished watching the Robbie Williams documentary. I don't know if you've oh, seen it on Netflix. No, I need to see it. It's really, really good, and I won't give too much away. But it's incredible seeing this footage of him absolutely crumbling before and after the show. You would never ever think, just riddled with anxiety and you know you just you, you just don't i think you you almost go on autopilot in a way where you just you've got all that knowledge there and you just it just comes out of you yeah. um yeah so i feel like i could talk to you forever and ever and ever but oh i suppose God. a good question to kind of start to wrap things up is you know it, we've all got emotional baggage like you say but how do people know when it's time to come to see somebody like you like presumably it's at the point where this baggage is holding them back from relationships or their lives but what are some of like the warning signs that um you know for, even just for someone like me I think oh do I have a negative mindset is it holding me back do I need to be looking at things in a different way am I really negative like what are the warning signs that would yeah. help somebody to come and start a journey with you Oh, look, to be honest, I think everyone should have a coach. Like even with the knowledge that I have, I still have coaches because I think our journey through this life, and I don't want to be too philosophical, but it's a constant learning. Like we learn something new every day. So I think, you know, blanket answer to that is everyone should have a coach. But the warning signs, I guess, would be, if you want to talk about, you know, the most kind of common, if you are generally unhappy like if you can look at your life and go oh it's pretty good but i just feel really unsatisfied i don't know what it is there's just something you know when you kind of feel like there's just something and it's not something that comes with you just for a week and then you're all fine it's like that underlying thing that you've always felt and you just mm. why i feel like this but i guess i've just never been happy and i don't know why and i keep trying to fill that void and it's just nothing's working so there's that where it's like that kind of Nothing's too bad, but it's kind of like, oh, there's just something there that I don't know, but I'm just not satisfied. And then there's the, you know, the repetition of I keep attracting the same partner. What the hell is going on? Why do I keep ending up in these really crappy relationships? Why can't I have what I want? Um, I'm just, you know, I've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression stuff. Um, and then there's stuff that people will try and bury. So if you've got something that you know is traumatic, and you've just never dealt with before and it's something that comes up and stops you from living your life in any way shape or form or feeling a certain way that you want to feel versus how you are feeling that's when you can kind of go all right well let's delve into this because i don't want that to be a factor anymore and mm -hmm. I think if you have a big 
big discrepancy between, you know, that mask that you only keep to yourself and the mask that you show everyone. If you feel like you're having to oh, put on a brave face and all the time and out you go and it's bloody exhausting and then you come back and you're like, oh, that's probably the time to do it as well because you don't want to have to, you know, get on stage all the time and feel like your life is this big performance. You just want to be authentically you and be accepted as that. So if you don't feel like you can be genuinely yourself, if you're worried too much about what other people think, if you're engaging in, you know, people-pleasing behaviour, if you're allowing people to cross over your boundaries, even if you're predominantly everything's good in your life and you just have that relationship with your parent that you're just like, I don't know what it is about my mother, but she just gives me the shits and we just trigger each other all the time. That can be enough to go, that's something I want to change. I'm going to get a coach. Because sometimes we don't know. Like we can read all the books and we can, you know, look at all the stuff on TV, but we don't necessarily know how to implement it in our own life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that you're quite right. I remember when I lived in Buenos Aires in Argentina, I thought it was really strange that everybody had a psychologist. This is like normal, like the government pays for it. Everyone has their own psychologist. And now that I'm older, I look back at it and I'm like, that's awesome because we should all have a psychologist. We should all have a coach because there is so much that we process as humans and that we hold with us from our past that we have to have someone to unpack it with because also that yeah. can't always be your friend or can't always be a family member or someone that's really close to you. Um, yeah, I've got a, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, the, sometimes the people that are closest to us, they can help us perpetuate that story. They mean well, but it's like saying, you know, oh, I'm having trouble with my husband, for example. And then you've got your best friend saying, yeah, yeah, what an asshole. No, you're right. You should do that. You should keep doing that. Sometimes they're not the best people to say, all right, Chanel, um, how have you Yeah, they're trying to be on your, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a devil's advocate for these things all the time. I do like to think that I'm very good at staying objective and things like that and helping like them see both sides. Um, because you're right. Like I've, and I've got friends who I'm like, you're just agreeing with me because you think it's going to make me feel better. And then it just becomes this horrible poo that keeps having all these flies yeah. added to it. And they do that because they love you and like bless, mm. they love you and that's why they do it. But sometimes that's not the best because then it just feeds. fuels the fire. Yeah, whatever you're doing or whatever you're not doing. And it's easier to point the finger at someone else than to look at yourself and go, oh shit, maybe I'm maybe I'm the problem. You know, like that Taylor Swift, like, hi, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me. Yes, like, yes. Well, because I think it's so easy to feel like if you take the responsibility, then you aren't disappointed when someone else doesn't. Um, yeah. Oh, don't know what that was. Um, the, the, this is a very, very minuscule thing that I have that I would love to figure out why I feel this way. I hate Sundays. I hate them. I, I, I almost like, and I know that it's something that I just tell myself. Um, every day, like every Sunday I wake up and I instantly, it's, it's almost, it's like cue depression, like straight away. And I, I, I thought that maybe it's because it's, it's in my mind, it's still the day before school. And that's, yeah. that's like ingrained in my head from being a teenager or a kid and not wanting to go to school on a Monday morning. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to reposition Sunday as my day of rest because I don't rest at all. And so I'm trying to make it something that I look forward to now because it's like the one day of the week where I actually allow myself to just be a lazy bastard and sit on the couch all day because I never, ever do that. Um, but healthy? like, say that again. Is that helping? Um, yeah, but it, I'm still, I think, trying to train my brain into allowing that to happen. Like, um, and I did it yesterday. I was like, you know, make it, yeah, make it a day that you that you look forward to because oh, it, it can be my 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 lazy day. Like, because yeah. I don't allow myself to have that. But then it's also hard because then I feel lazy, and I'm not always okay with feeling lazy because yeah. I like to do. And my aunt helped me figure this out. She's studying psychology, but I, I realized that I base my self worth on action. So if I'm not doing things all the time and I'm not achieving and I'm not taking action versus going, I'm really funny, I'm really thoughtful, I'm really kind, I'm really smart, I'm really talented, that's me valuing myself. I'm going, oh, I'm better or, be you know, if I do all these things. Yes. And this um, is, you've hit it. You've kind of, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but you've kind of said it yourself. So when you say, you know, Sundays, um and you know that's your lazy day and i just don't want to be a lazy bastard right so even though you probably say that flippantly and you don't really mean anything by it it's not very positive language so mm. automatically you're telling yourself like oh lazy bastard i don't like being lazy 
Um, and then, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, growing up and like, you know, everything's on the go and like, you know, maybe it's addicted to stress and like you have to keep working and you pride yourself on the fact that you work, 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 work. And then when you're not working, what are you? You're being lazy. Well, that's shit. Yeah, yeah, like totally. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I pride myself on that. So if I'm not working, I'm being a lazy bastard. Yeah. And that puts a negative connotation on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there could be some stuff that you delve into and it, yeah, it could be related to childhood. And, you know, I know I used to get, um, really nervous when school went back. So that whole like last two days, mm -hmm. days I'd be like, <gasps> cause I was scared of, you know, what's everyone going to do? Like maybe everyone had more fun in the holidays or whatever it might be. It was an insecurity fed, um, emotion really. Mm -hmm. So it could have to do with that, or it could just be because yes, yeah, Sunday is the day of rest, you know, you're allowed to rest, but maybe in your mind, resting is bad. Like, no, that's lazy. Get off your ass and do something, lazy bastard. Like, and it could just be something as simple as that, which really, when you consciously think about it, is like, well, you're allowed to rest. Like, who cares? But subconsciously, sometimes there's that little inner voice, that sneaky little liar belief that gets in there that tells you otherwise. And there's that conflict. And that's why it's kind of like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I know I should be able to do it, but I feel really bad doing it. Yeah, totally, totally. So I'm working on that. My partner's been very helpful. He's 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 very good at switching off. So I've I've, I've been watching how he does it. Um, yeah, God, it's busy in other ways too. Say that again. If you like being busy, you could even try all this, right? Mm. Sunday could still be a busy quote unquote busy day, but it's busy in a different way. Maybe it's nothing to do with work busyness, but everything to do with relationship busyness where you go on a date day. I saw you went for a hike the other day and you do yeah. this another way. So in your <laughs> mind, it's still busyness, but it's busyness that's going to nourish you or, you know, you go for a drive and that takes up your day or and just see if that makes a difference. That might not have any difference at all. But it is trial and error. So yeah. All right. What's going on? Yeah. And even things like cleaning, you know, that's a nice Sunday job to do because it's quite mindful and you're doing something, but you're not like, it's not too strenuous. Well, it depends on how dirty your house is. But um, Lisa, like I said, I could just talk to you forever and a day. Um, tell people how they can get in touch with you, um, website, socials, all of that. Yep. So uh, I have just had my website redone. So it's Ooh, done. Good girl. nice and specky and I love it. Um, literally went live like two days ago. And oh, that's congratulations. W Thank you. It was just, yeah, branding was off. It was all my old colours. It was terrible. Um, so that's www.thegoddesscode.com.au. Um, you can find me on Facebook, which is at the Goddess Code Coaching, or on Instagram, which is lisaandfante.coach. I'm most um, active, thanks to you, Chanel, on Instagram. Oh, much, much attention to the gram. But since I had that conversation with you at Freedom Fest, I'm all into the gram and I'm loving it. Yeah, it's great. It's definitely the golden goose in terms of social media platforms. Facebook is really just a waste of time. Um, you could probably do some stuff on TikTok, but that's a whole other beast. Is Freedom oh, Fest all that? Because you're. I do, but I'm not even going to give you my TikTok handle because I'm not on there enough. Like I try. No, I think Instagram's good enough for now. You've got to do what's what's achievable for you. Is Freedom Fest sold out? Because Lisa's speaking at Freedom Fest. Um, um, I don't know. There might be some home retreat packages where people can watch from the comfort of their own home and just basically, um, you know, watch it live over Zoom. I think there's there might be some of them available, but they can contact um, Jody at the Seven Effect for that. Amazing. Cool. <laughs> Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your advice and your wisdom and your insights. And thank you for all the work you're doing to help, um, you know, people shift shift their shit or, or offload their baggage or, um, you know, lighten their load um, because it's, it's, do you say it's the devil's work? Like, you know, oh, that, probably, that probably sounds really what? awful, but helping people lighten their load is a big job. <laughs> oh, it is a big job. And and if I can just be uncouth for a minute, like I like to have fun with this, right? Because life doesn't have, it's only as serious as you make it, right? And there are some very serious stuff, but it really is sometimes like taking a poop, right? Like once you push it out, I know this is very uncouth, but once no, you it's push great. it out, it's just, you know, oh, okay, next, next. Yeah, yeah. 
so that I mean that it, does your your branding could be brown, Lisa. Maybe in years to come that'll be your thing, helping people with the really shit and it's all brown and poo emojis and all that. You know, I'm like a toilet enthusiast, so I found that very funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me here today. And I can't wait to see uh, what you do at Freedom Fest and um, have an amazing day. Thank you so much. You know what's funny? I'm running my workshop in December and it's called Own Your Shit and Thrive. So maybe poo brown oh, colour. Before we go, tell us about that. How can people sign up for that? Oh, okay. So I've got um, probably Instagram is the best way to, to do it because I don't remember the event right link off by heart. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you go to my link in bio on my Instagram, there's a little click in there that you can buy some tickets. There's only about five tickets left, actually, and it's a group workshop um, just for four hours taking women through what are the stories we're telling ourselves, taking people through, which we didn't get onto. Um, I've created a six-step formula, you know, of how to basically live your life. Like, what's your story? And then your accountability, and then, you know, you, you work through it. Um, and little exercises to help you own your shit and something that you may be hiding behind. Because we like to make the shoulda, coulda, woulda excuses. We like to point the finger. We like to, to listen to our negative self-talk. And it's about getting real with that and saying, all right, enough, enough of that. What do I want? And how am I going to do it without all the bullshit excuses? Love it. You're going to let go of, or you know, it, some people come for work stuff. Some people come, you know, they're having relationship issues. But it's about going. You know what? I'm no longer going to wait for that other person to fix it for me. I need. To, I'm taking charge of my life now. I'm doing this. I love that. And we, like you said, and this is why I could talk to you for hours and hours. We didn't even get to the accountability piece. But this is this is a good reason for people to actually come to your workshop and yeah because it sounds like there's probably a lot of self-discovery that happens there and um if you haven't met lisa she like i mentioned is just really really lovely and easy to feel comfortable around and not judged at either so um definitely go and check her out on instagram have a look at the workshop and um, we'll have to get you on the show again and then we can unpack all oh, of the other stuff to get to yeah yeah we could have like um accountability series and then you know yes uh, own your shit series we're gonna have to you know talk about this shit some more Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you, Lisa. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sunshine Podcast for Women in Business. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also share this episode with a biz bestie who needs to hear it.